Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 39 of the Australian Hiker podcast and our bonus episode for September 2017. In this week's episode, we're down in Wollongong on the New South Wales south coast, interviewing Janae from Bushwalk the Gong. Now, Janae started Bushwalk the Gong in 2016 as a hobby, taking her love of nature, hiking and photography into the public realm, which she describes as being a relief uh, to her social media friends, who were the recipients of yet another bushwalking photo. She has built Bushhawk the Gong to become a household name in the region, and recently she formed a partnership with the National Parks Association, Illawarra Branch, and offers free local walks in an attempt to reconnect people to spectacular natural environment that is on offer in the Illawarra region. Bushwalk the Gong has now become a go-to resource that provides overviews of local trails along with awe-inspiring photos. Yeah, it was really great to meet Janae and to listen to her and her passion uh, about walking in her local area and uh, her passion for bushwalking generally and getting outdoors. Uh, she definitely is a very uh, positive role model for anybody who wants to um, take up bushwalking and participate more actively. And uh, we'd like to welcome Janae to the Australian Hiker podcast and thank her for making the time to talk with you. Okay, it's Saturday morning. We're down here in Wollongong uh, at Byrong Park near Mount Kira, and I'm talking to Janae from Bushwalk the Gong. She's been kind enough to come and have a chat to us uh, to fill us in a bit about what Bushwalk the Gong is and about some of the uh, uh, the spectacular bushwalking we can find around here. So, good morning, Janae. Welcome to Australian Hiker Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Okay, so. Um, just a bit about yourself to start with. Um, what's uh, what's your background and what do you do in the real world? Well, essentially, my real world experience is far removed from bushwalking. Um, I work in the corporate world. I wear high heels. I wear makeup, and um, I work full time. So I'm a mum as well. So I basically try and fit in as much bushwalking as I can on the weekends. Okay, and and what got you into hiking? Where did where, where did you where did your love and your passion from hiking come from? Well, actually, not too far from here, just <laughs> up the road. Um, up the road here's a magnificent scout camp. Um, it's a very old one, very famous one. And back in the day, when I was a child, my father used to take us up there and have a play. There's a lot of beautiful creeks up there and rainforests. So, I'd say it's fair to say it started just up the road okay uh and is your hiking activity is it more your activity or is it a family thing as well look i'd say it's definitely my activity i try my very hardest to bring the family along where i can um it's got to the point though where the children are like no we go every weekend i'm not doing it again (laughs) i can't do it so it comes with a lot of bribing and a lot of negotiation (laughs) 
Well, I think we, we get to find that out next weekend. We're going uh, hiking with my niece and her two, uh, two young boys next weekend, so that'll be an interesting process. Well, I think the secret is don't do it often with them, so then it <laughs> becomes a real pleasure for them. I, I think that's probably a good advice. All right, now your website uh, identifies you as being a strong ambassador for outdoor women. Uh, how do you see hiking and getting into nature as being a benefit in the trial? Look, I think um, part of my role as being an ambassador for women is to get out of your comfort zone. Um, I think traditionally um, outdoor activities are really being dominated by men, but there's been a nice turn, especially in social media, seeing a lot of women um, getting into the outdoor scene. Um, and I think where my role becomes a bit stronger is I'm not out there in bikinis. I'm not out there trying to um, show that Instagram look of it's all about looks. It's all about how sexy you are. It's about getting out there, wearing what you should be wearing, um, being involved in nature and definitely coming back to your roots and, and enjoying being out there. I think that's often the thing with a lot of the, these out sort of outdoor activities. The photos you see, um, you know, particularly when you first start off, and you know you, you look really fresh and happy and clean, and and by the end of a two or three days, or even the end of a long day, you, you're, you're muddy and you, you you've got bits of bits of uh, plant matter in your hair, and uh, um, and I think it's 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 more about the not so much the look, but about how you actually feel at the end of it. Oh, totally. And I think that's where I try to maintain, I guess, that role model for women is to to tell it how it is. Um, I definitely don't Photoshop my photos. You see all my wrinkles and and that's how I am. And if I'm sweaty, I show sweat. That's that's how it goes. I think that's probably a good, a good comment at this stage. I, uh, I know with Instagram, you've got all these lovely filters you can put on things and you, and you start playing with the filters and think that's not how it looks. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's you know, it's, it's nice to say, well, what what you actually show is what you're actually getting. It's it's a it's a more realistic representation. Yeah, and I think that's important. I think people need to know what it is actually like, and and don't get this false representation of um, this luxurious, um, I guess, hipster view of of what walking is about. Because it's not about that. It's about the dirt. It's about the wind. It's about the messy hair. Now, you also mentioned uh, on, your, on your website you're into photography as one of your interests. Uh, now, you're a, a big picture person or do you like more the close-ups or are you a bit of both? I'm definitely a bit of both. Um, I take a lot of time on my walks, some people will tell you. Um, I definitely like to get down low and I have a, a bit of a fetish for mushrooms and fungus. So at the right time of the year, I'm definitely on all fours looking around for mushrooms and lying down trying to get the best shots. But then um, there's a lot of beautiful lookouts here in Wollongong, so I definitely have a lot of those wide shots as well. So a bit of anything. I think that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you can bushwalk just because you like walking and like being in nature, but for a lot of people, and, and myself included, photography is a, is a, is a, is a bit of a passion, and, and I'm, I'm a bit like you. I do like the fungus and the, and the small stuff. Um, I could quite happily stay in one spot for half an hour and 40 minutes and just wander around a tree or a small patch of ground so yeah, definitely i think having those you know if you've if you've got passions for other activities like photography or bird watching and you might be able to hear the birds in the background at the moment along with the traffic on the road um that uh, you know you can you can tie it in with with walking and hiking and, and make it a uh, uh, a combined activity now 
As far as the Wollongong region is concerned, uh, Wollongong, for those of you that don't know, is in um, uh, south of Sydney and sort of um, central southern New South Wales. Uh, what's the best bang for your buck hike that uh, you'd recommend in this area? I actually get asked that question a lot, and it's an extremely difficult question to answer. Um, I believe it comes down to season. So it, it really depends on which time of the year you're going. Um, for example, Mount Kembla in mushroom season is incredible. The summit walk, it's full of colourful mushrooms. But then in the same token, obviously, if it's hot in summer and 36 degrees, there's some beautiful waterfall walks, um, especially Macquarie National Park, um, a bit further south. So I recommend those. But then... If you're a tourist to Wollongong, I'd say go head out to a lookout and, and get a really lovely vista of the, the views. So I always snake that question. I'm sorry. I no, can't answer no, it no, that's, to one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer. I mean, some areas some areas you can say, look, this is the best walk and everybody agrees. And, 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 as, and as you say, it depends on what your interests are and what the time of the year is. Um, I must admit, I, uh, I did a little walk uh, uh, a, a couple of months ago, which was you know, less than two kilometres. And it was just a, such a pretty little walk, which most people just don't think about. That's but, right. But you think, well, I'd nev- I would never would have thought of this as being a spectacular walk. Uh, and as, as you say, it's picking it on the day and uh, depending on the weather, you can get some really good walks anywhere you go. All right, now, Bushwalk the Gong. So you started Bushwalk the Gong in um, 2016. What prompted you to do this and what is Bushwalk the Gong? So essentially, I picked up my love of bushwalking, I guess, seriously again uh, last year, the start of last year, and got the camera out and I was just absolutely flooding my personal Facebook page with photos. And it was actually my husband said, can you stop posting photos of bushwalking? Put them somewhere I else. said, oh, they're beautiful and lots of people like them. And he said, well, people are just getting sick of it, I'm sure. And I'm like, I don't know if they are, but I, I, that's fair that probably 50% people probably were. So I thought, you know what, I'll just make my own separate page and if any of my friends want to look at them, that's where they are. And from there it exploded. I essentially got picked up by ABC Open um, and from that point I guess it snowballed and people were coming back to me saying, can you take me for a bushwalk? I'd really love to go to this place. Um, I don't know how to get there. I'm not confident enough to get there. And I guess the group walks probably sprouted from that point in time. Uh, And what services do you offer for hikers in the Wollongong region? Well, essentially, I make no profit from what I do. Um, So I'm linked with the MPA to allow me to do group bushwalks. Um, so once a month or more often, if I can, I'll take a group out to one of the Wollongong walks. And also what I do is actually provide trail guides online and social media. So um, a lot of people have taken a lot of interest in my guides because they're very detailed. Um, they show maps, um, videos and photos. So it gives people that confidence of going out there, knowing what they're expecting and how long it's going to be, what kind of grade it is. So, 
I think that's certainly the thing these days. I mean, you know, the the uh, the, the internet has made has made such a big change to everything we do in life, and you know, it's it's a very visual medium. You can, you know, as you say, if you put the photos on there and the maps and that and the videos, you can you can actually give people the experience and give them the, the chance to say, well, that looks like something I'd be interested in. Yeah, and it's also giving me a voice to be able to bring up a lot of important issues on the trails as well. Um, I noticed, like for example, there's a lot of people who take dogs on trails on social media um even this morning i just saw one actually and dogs are illegal on trails in the national parks and a lot of people don't know that so i really make sure through my trail guides i'm educating people as to you know where they should be walking if there's if it borders on say waterboard land and things like that and obviously you know not lighting fires and stuff like that um uh, and it's it, it often amazes me, particularly with dogs. I um, I did a walk in Canberra a few months ago, and I saw a family with a a large dog off a leash walk past the no dogs allowed sign, mm-hmm. uh, and the dog starts chasing after the kangaroos. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not good for the kangaroos, and if one of these big males turns around, it's not going to be good for the dog either. No, that's um, right. And look, I mean, I've got a dog, and I, you know, I. I would love to take a dog through the bush. I mean, I think they'd have a great time, but understanding that there's a lot of other issues that come with that. So you need to be responsible. All right. Uh, and just while we're talking about the national parks, um, you uh, partner with the Illawarra branch of the National Parks Association. How did this start and why? Um, essentially, it started when Graham, the president, contacted me via my, um, I think it was my website. He sent me a, a little email just introducing himself. And um, from there, I actually went to one of their meetings and had a chat to them. Um, and we just spoke and I realized there was a lot of synergies between um, their values and my values. And um, being part of the MPA also allows um, group bushwalking. So I actually thought it was beneficial for both of us if I became a group leader for them. So then all my walks actually come under their banner. So, um, so far it's been a really quite beautiful partnership because I actually bring, I guess, a younger and more modern approach to um, the national parks around here and the trails from a social media point of view. Um, Traditionally, MPA does have an older audience. So um, especially with the president and the committee, I can actually raise quite a few issues and provide a viewpoint that they don't traditionally see and vice versa they provide me with a lot of old knowledge of um, the history of the national parks in the area and the trails and the maintenance side of things so um, they're a brilliant resource for me and I think it's fair to say that they see me as a great resource because I bring a fresh eye to the the concept as well. Uh, and that's an interesting point as far as uh, the national parks uh, uh, and, and probably bushwalking clubs in general. I think one of the things I've noticed looking at a lot of the magazines and looking at a lot of the uh, the bushwalking clubs that are, that are operating at the moment, it tends to be an older... We've got a bit of a bird life going on in the background there. Um, the the club scene tends to be a, an older sort of age group, and as you say, you you know keep coming to this as a as a from a younger perspective, um, you know how do you see that 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 goes? I mean, you see, you, know, you said you can provide that that young perspective into what they're doing, and they can provide the the experience back the other way. But do, do you see this as a bit of a changing of the guard process, or? Uh, um. 
Look, I, I'm actually find myself probably more in the middle ground actually because there's the millennials coming up and I notice there is a few, they're not so much clubs but definitely groups going out there and then obviously um, the clubs, I would agree that they do generally have an older um, membership, so um, fit, very fit membership. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they leave me for dead. But um, look, I... I think um, a lot of those memberships, those people do go on to their 80s in, on bushwalking so that they are there for a while yet. But I think it's been really interesting through the MPA, especially the Illawarra branch, because they're extremely open to um, what's new, what's happening on social media. They want to be involved and I guess being of an older generation they were probably a bit stuck and didn't know how to really get there um, so I think my inputs allowed them to expand their Facebook and um, just assist with I guess general questions obviously me being on things like Instagram and um, Facebook and Twitter and things like that I can provide a bit of insight and and um, you know my group bookings are all through um online booking systems where they're still on a traditional ring or email so um, it's been interesting that they've really been excited to see what I'm doing and go oh okay that's something that we could look to doing ourselves so it's been really beneficial for both parties I think. Well, I must admit that was that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask about what the benefits be, between uh, the partnership was, but I think that's probably a, a fairly fairly good uh, good answer to that. It's sort mm. of uh, um, you know it's, it's I think I've come out of the club scene in a, in, uh, in another activity uh, a number of years ago, and uh, clubs um, or interest groups tend to be driven by individuals, mm. and they are, they're very passionate, they drive it, they look after it really well, and if there's no no one to back them up when they leave that's when they tend to fall apart and I think having having those passionate people there in the Parks Association you know they're obviously still very much into it and they're obviously looking at ways of how they can continue and grow and 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 um, and, and attract the, the Millennials uh, and the younger people into into the activities themselves yeah definitely and it's so important to ensure like the younger groups like the Millennials are coming into it with a wider understanding of you know what it means to be bushwalking and what your impacts are and, and what you're doing because I mean a lot of that does get lost on social media and that's I guess where I'm the middleman I can really see what they're doing and what impacts that's having and then I bring that back to the MPA and say look I see this going on a lot you know this is something that we need to talk about and bring to the conversation because you know this is going to affect potentially future of national parks and integrity of trails and you know conservation issues and so forth so i mean you, you know while we're, while we're talking about social media and, and and issues on the uh on on walks and trails i mean how do how do you view social media it's obviously something that we both use but i mean and there are benefits but uh what what's the downside do you see from a uh, an impact on trails particularly in this area look i've had a real love-hate relationship with social media and um it's really challenged i guess my moral um point of view of 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 where to go with social media you know on the one hand it's it's great to have your articles published you know through the illawarra mercury and you know 
thousands and thousands of people are viewing it and at, you know it's obviously really positive for my page but then on the other side of the coin you've got to look at walks like sublime point which is really inundated with people every weekend um you know so do you want trails with hundreds of people walking on them as well um and i think i've really obviously thought long and hard about this and i thought well you know what social media is going to happen regardless of me i you know i'm not naive to think it's only me in wollongong but i've taken i guess the ground of i want to have an impact on the way people see the trails and how they use the trails in illawarra um so i've really i guess made it my mission talking with people like the MPA to say well you know what are the issues that we need to be aware of um you know things like dogs things like staying on trail um and things on like you know don't drink alcohol on trails and and um I guess really dangerous behavior on trails as well so I make sure that when I publish anything I've got warnings I've got particular um I bring these issues up. I bring it to the forefront and say, look, you know, you're not supposed to do this on this trail because of this. And it's not about me trying to be, um, you know, the boss of the trails or anything like that. It's just bringing it to people's attention so they understand it. I think it's um, it's been interesting, particularly over the last sort of five to ten years with social media and, and, and also media in general. Uh, I mean, in the States, they have the thing called the wild effect, where the movie Wild has, has had a huge impact on the Pacific Crest Trail, where mm. you used to only, up until that movie, there was probably only a couple of hundred people a year that at best had ever did that trail. Yeah. Now there's thousands. And closer to home, um, the South Coast track in Tasmania, um, they it's heading towards being a duplicate of the overland track they're mm-hmm. looking at putting boardwalks and huts in and it's been because it, it has become such a popular trail now it's getting trashed uh, yeah. the trail's becoming braided uh, the braiding's getting wider and wider uh, and to actually protect and preserve the trail they're going to have to actually change what it is uh, and it's it's like well you're changing the reason people go there but if you don't that reason has gone anyway and and that's been a really hot topic with me um i think a lot of people you know in terms of trolling people of like oh now you've told people where that trail is but a lot of people already know where that trail is um and the thing is if people are more responsible on those trails and bring to their attention that, you know, don't go off the trail, don't expand the trail, there's a muddy section. You have to walk through it. Deal with it. Um, you don't have to walk around it. Just wear old sneakers, you know. Stay to that section and we contain it. Um, but that's where, I guess, from my point of view, through the MPA as well, you know, we, we want to bring up things with the national parks, like, you know, there should be boardwalks in some sections. They're busy trails, regardless of me talking about them or not. They always have been, and um, that's important. But realistically, I mean, I know trails, for example, Jump Rock is one of the trails that I've put on um, more recently, and I've been on it since I've, I've had it published, and realistically, I passed two people, and one of those people were picking up rubbish. So I was like, "Yay, <laughs> my message is getting through!" So, you know, that was exciting for me to think. Well, you know, there's not 300 people on this trail on a Saturday afternoon. So realistically, you know, a lot of people like 
these posts and go, wow, that's awesome. I want to go there. But the actual fact of how many people actually make it there is pretty slim anyway. It, it's interesting. We did um, we did a walk in Canberra last weekend called Stockyard Spur, and it's um, it's this time of the year in particular. We uh, we were walking walking in anything up to fifty centimeters of snow, and what surprised me more than anything else was we passed around about thirty people on this trail. Yeah, it's one of the most difficult trails, particularly when there is snow on it in the in the in the region, and it was pitriate. It really was. Uh, and it's uh, it's because people know about it through the websites and through social media, so everyone wants to go out and do it. And yeah. it's like, well, I just wasn't expecting this volume of people. Yeah, we don't yeah. own the trails. No. And the no. population's getting bigger, so it's just, I, it's an issue that's something like the national parks really need to look into because it's happening, they, it's an unstoppable force, so you really need to think ahead. Yeah, so I think as you say, it's managing the process rather than trying to stop it. You We'll never stop it, so no. how do we best manage it? Correct. Um, now, how do you find the concept of uh, leave no trace has been embraced in the Illawarra area? Uh, or or how, do you have some issues that, are, that, are, that, that probably a lot of other trails are having as well? Yeah, look, obviously it's not going to be limited to Wollongong. Um, we do have a, a legal dumping problem. Um, particularly on the escarpment, um, a few of the more out-of-the-way trails, there is a lot of rubbish dumped, like lounges, mattresses, the whole bit. Um, Generally, I find the trails not too bad. Um, I always take out a bag of rubbish. Normally, a bag is, is about all I take, and that cleans the entire trail. So it's probably not that bad. But as I said, I, I have been finding a lot of other people I find ahead of me or behind me picking up rubbish as well. So it's nice to see that that message is going out there. I think that's the thing. I, um, I mean, We did the same thing last week as, and as well. You know, People drop uh, usually bar wrappers out of their pocket or else they throw them on the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably dropped rather than thrown. But, yeah, you see these things, you pick it up. It's sort of, you, that's right. You only have to do, you don't have to clean the entire trail, but, you know, if you pick up a few things here and there and everyone else does it, it's, it's, it's easy to maintain. Sure is. Now, are there any other issues that um, uh, that you wanted to raise? Um, you mentioned there, there have been some few problems over the last last year in this area. Look, I think realistically heading into summer, um, we do have quite a few significant waterfalls in the region, um, just in the Illawarra and also over the mountain as well. Um, there's definitely a social media craze to get in the hairiest pose on the highest waterfall and hang from a ledge and jump off the highest rock. And um, realistically, um, last summer we actually had a few deaths in the area. Um, so it's I, I get that people want a bit of insta-fame, but realistically... I think people really need to start thinking about their own safety first. Um, it's dangerous stuff around waterfalls. Um, it's slippery. There's a lot of rocks. Um, it's it's really important that people take on the message. Um, we were speaking to the paramedics earlier in the year um, and the cost to get these helicopters out and paramedics, they were saying something like $200,000 just to get a helicopter into some of these areas. Like, that's a massive strain. 
on resources. I think it's it's interesting uh, you mentioned that. I mean, you know, if you're in the states in the US uh, and that happens, you pay for it. Um, uh, here we're still lucky that we're we're covered, um, but yeah, you know, at at some point, you know, if the accidents accidents occur or through people doing silly things, they 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 put the strain on the resources that we we may head that direction as well. And that's right. And I think it's really important that people start thinking about, you know, the people they're hanging out with. Like, if your mate wants to do it, just go, hey, realistically, the chances of you dying doing that are pretty high. Maybe not. You know, don't jump the barriers. They're there for a reason. And, um, you know, I guess a lot of parents, I think you need to be really wary of what your kids are doing. I mean, I was of the generation where our kids let us, our parents let us run around wild and go explore the bush. That's great. That's fine. But, I mean, I saw kids going up to Jump Rock the other week and they were young. And I thought, if you're jumping off that rock without your parents, <laughs> I thought, you're lucky I'm not your mum. <laughs> So I'm guessing that's where it's got it got its name from, has it? That's what people do. Yes, but I, I don't like to talk about that side because <laughs> I can't I can't physically watch people do it. No, <laughs> it's and, too scary. And, and it's it's it often amazes me that you, know, you 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 think you don't you don't you're not necessarily a wowser about things, but it's sort of like uh, it's, no. it's it's just pushing things a bit too far. I'm sometimes. all for fun. Don't get me wrong. There's a little water slide up there. The kids go crazy on it, and I encourage it. It's fine. But, look, there's signs up there now the National Parks have put up there that's, you know, no jumping and, and fickle. It, it is dangerous. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, when I was talking to you setting up this interview, you, you're about to head off to, to Nepal. Where, where uh, What are you actually going to be doing over there? Um, I'm going on a solo mission to Nepal. I'm actually – I am going with a group over there. I, I'm not that brave. <laughs> um, I'm doing the Annapurna base camp. I thought I'd start there rather than going straight to Everest base camp. Um, just see how that altitude takes me. Uh, so it's it's going to be a 12-day hike. So for me, that's actually – quite a big challenge being someone that sits at a desk five days a week so um, I'm busily trying to get fit enough to do it and mentally prepared to do it. I must admit I've done that high altitude a few times and I, I struggle anything over three and a half thousand meters from me I, I almost go into slow motion. Yeah um, I'm, so, I'm half expecting that. <laughs> so yeah no it's uh, I think it'll be one of those things it's worthwhile doing that that uh, uh, that sort of area whether it's Nepal or Bhutan or, or uh, any of those sort of areas, that they, they are pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so now where um, where do you see Bushwalk the Gong being in say five years' time? What's your what's your your master plan to take over the world? Mm, that's, of all the questions I've been thinking about, that's probably the hardest one. I guess Bushwalk the Gong is a reflection of me and and my adventures. So essentially, it's saying, what am I going to be doing in five years' time? Look. I hope to have quite a few adventures under my belt by then. Um, look, I'd really like to expand things like trail guides and I guess education back to people just so that they're aware of the issues out there. I think that's probably taken my priority. I haven't put any priority of um, making this a business or making money out of it. It's, it's really just been, to me, the volunteering side of things has been really beneficial to me personally. I've got a lot out of that. So I'm hoping to get more involved, really. 
Okay. And um, is there anything else that um, that you wanted to, to raise that, that, that I should have asked you at all? I think we've covered quite a good span good of information there, Tim. Okay. And, and one final question then. Um, what one hike tops your bucket list? Oh, that's a big question. Well, I'm going to Nepal. I'm really excited about that. Essentially, I turned 40 this year and my husband and I sat down and went, okay, where do we want to go? Anywhere in the world. Let's go. And he was like, I'm going to Japan. I want to go skiing. And I'm like, I've done that. I don't want to do that again. So he took off to Japan earlier in the year. And he said, go wherever you want. Go to the Greek Isles. Do anything you want. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go do a solo trip and do that whole cheesy find myself and test myself and just see what, see what happens at the end. No, I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be well worthwhile. Okay, so we've just been talking to Janae from Bushwalk the Gong. Um, if you go onto our show notes for this episode on our website, we'll have the contact details and uh, how you can get onto Janae's uh, website and contact her if you want to uh, ask her any questions or go on any walks in the, in the Wollongong area. Um, and uh, again, this is, I must admit, I've travelled past this area quite a few times, but never bothered to stop in and have a look. So it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely area. Um, and it's uh, very different than, one, than what I'm used to in the Canberra region. So I think you'll, uh, if you're down this way, it's definitely worthwhile stopping in and having a look. Okay, thanks very much, Janae. Thank you so much, Tim. There was so much I enjoyed about Janae's interview, particularly her partnership with National Parks Association Illawarra branch and how she was combining uh, a modern perspective with the traditional um, kind of input that you would have in a National Parks Association and how much that they were appreciating her uh, engaging with them. I also liked hearing about her guided walks and um, Maybe they should be referred to as an at-cost activity rather than a no-cost activity. Uh, there is a small charge that she does uh, uh, make uh, for the walks, and that's to cover insurance, which is quite a reasonable thing, I think, um, and quite low um, in the scheme of things. So, you know, support her and... Um, you know, see that as a value add, see that as a, an important thing. And, and I'd even go a little bit further and maybe offer to buy her a coffee at some point. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed that. It's it's always interesting to hear how people are doing things around around the country and how they're uh, they're interpreting bushwalking in their local area. And we uh, we actually did a, a bushwalk after we'd gone through and interviewed Janae, and it's it's a, a, an area that I'm not that familiar with. Um, I'm, most of my hiking is done in the uh, the uh, Australian Highlands, uh, and it's a very different. Uh, it's almost a tropical sort of feel down there with some of the some of the uh, the hikes. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Next week we're back to our regular fortnightly episode, and the topic for next week will be hiking with children. And this will be the first of a two-part series. And I'm certainly looking forward to the second part, which will be uh, some interviews and some on-the-trail experiences of running around after two small boys on the trail. Okay, that's all for us. Uh, Bye for me.
and bye from me.